0: Welcome to Home, Space, and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you feel like your household frustrations are stealing away your life hour by hour, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. With a bit of history and a dash of psychology, this isn't your typical house podcast. I am a realtor and a home functionality coach, so I geek out on various subjects regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reasoning This podcast is all positive, making adulting easier one podcast at a time. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. In this episode, let's discuss the personalities that live under your roof and home functionality and aesthetics as it pertains to that. If you've listened to this podcast from the very first episode, you'll know that I deeply believe that your space directly affects how you feel and function every moment that you're in it, whether you're aware of it or not. Living in a home that doesn't suit your temperament can be draining and exhausting. How fulfilled we are can have a big impact on our daily life across all kinds of contexts. By understanding where we fall on the introvert, extrovert, ambivert scale, we can address setting our homes up to support our natural instincts and increase our propensity for truly enjoying our home in a way that we feel we're being supported and nurtured. If you consider where you tend to direct your energy and how you recharge your unique personality and different influences throughout your life, you can craft a greater sense of well being for yourself and your family. If we can clearly see the types of people we are living under one roof, we have the potential to improve our sense of happiness through little adjustments in our homes. With extreme extroversion on one end of the spectrum and extreme introversion on the opposite ends, most of us fall somewhere in the middle and can be classified as ambivert. This is a person whose personality has a balance of extrovert and introvert features. Consider your feelings after a long day at work. Introverts can find human interaction exhausting, preferring quiet after a day spent with others, while extroverts being energized by other people are likely to be fine to continue socializing. While both have the capacity to exhibit outgoing, sociable, or unsociable behaviors, introverts and extroverts generally choose to seek out situations congruent with their personality type. Ambiverts have an advantage over introverts and extroverts because they don't lean too heavily in either direction. They have a much easier time adjusting their approach to people depending on the situation, and this allows them to connect more easily with a wider variety of people. Why does identifying what kind of personality you have even matter? Well, learning about this and uncovering the types that live under your roof can help you to not only understand them more, but create spaces to better support them let me touch briefly on the Myers-Briggs personality test so we're all on the same page. I'm going to read directly right now from positivepsychology.com. It's a simple 93-question self-report-style questionnaire assessment providing a framework for understanding ourselves and others. Introduced by Isabel Briggs Myers and her mother, Catherine Cook Briggs, its aim is to make psychological types more understandable and useful in everyday life by creating a common language in order to refer to and discuss personality preferences. The Myers-Briggs test identifies an individual's preferred way of doing things in four key areas. Number 1. Directing and Receiving Energy Are you extroverted or introverted? Number two, taking in information. Do you prefer sensing or intuiting? Number three, making decisions. Do you prefer to think or to feel? And number four, approaching the outside world. Do you prefer judging or perceiving? Elaine Houston writes, The interest of the introvert is directed inwards. They think, feel, and act in ways that suggest the subject is the prime motivating factor. Extroverts, on the other hand, direct their interest outwards to their surrounding environment. They think, feel, and act in relation to external factors rather than subjective Consider a busy social event. An extrovert will likely revel in the social interactions and be invigorated by it, while an introvert will likely find their energy depleted and need time alone to compensate." So when considering your home, it's important to think of the natural tendencies and needs of those living under your roof so everyone feels optimally comfortable in the spaces and in various scenarios. Introverts like calm environments, lounging at home in quiet solitude, getting lost in a book or in their craft of choice, maybe baking or woodworking or gardening They are typically deep thinkers and socializing takes more emotional effort and therefore is more tiring for introverts. Extroverts, on the other hand, gain energy from socializing, whereas introverts gain energy from solitude. I asked a textbook introvert, a few questions to share with you he is my sweet brother he's also a father of one husband and homeowner i asked what parts of your home give you the most peace and solace and his answer was this as an introvert the places at my home that give me the most peace and solace are seasonal In the fall and winter months, it's usually a project in the garage that has given me the most comfort. Organizing my tools very early on by putting up a wall of pegboard was a big help. Clutter for me feels like chaos. Everything has its place. I rarely spend time rooting around in drawers looking for lost tools. The garage is a place where I can be alone for a moment. If someone needs me, I'm literally a step away. But that small step is enough space for me to catch my breath. In the spring and summer months, I spend most of my time in our backyard or on our deck. We've owned our house for almost three years now, and it's the first one I've ever owned. Learning new skills as a first-time homeowner has brought me a ton of solace. Maybe not initially, but eventually, I get there. In the last three years, I've done electrical work, although it's the only thing that still scares me, patched a damaged ceiling caused by a leaky roof, turned a closet into an office space with built-in shelves and a reclaimed wood barn desk, Installed a drip irrigation system throughout the entire backyard. Installed new doors, trim, and molding throughout the house. Now I'm prepared to build a floating deck in the backyard. This means getting the ground ready and leveling and moving a lot of dirt around. Doing this the last couple of days has helped me to realize that I love leveling dirt. It's my favorite. I know I'm a psycho. It's partly because leveling dirt is reminiscent for me. I played high school baseball. I was a catcher. After every practice and every home game, each position player had to rake out their home. So as a catcher, I raked the dirt around home plate, leveling, pushing it around, using the backside of the rake to move dirt from high points to the holes where batters had kicked and dug their cleats in. It usually took a half an hour to get it just so. I always looked forward to it. It was mindless and mindful all at once. So now, it always just takes me back to those days. I can be mindless in a job I can do in my sleep. It gives my mind space. I think that is key for me as an introvert. I need space to feel safe. In a thousand square foot house with a wife, a kid, and a dog, that's not always possible. I find it the best I can. Raking, building, cleaning. Anywhere I can slow my mind down. He is a classic deep thinker and far quieter than I. When considering paint color as a topic under this umbrella, an extrovert may appreciate a more vivid and lively choice, whereas an introvert may appreciate something more neutral and calming. We are all spending more time at home and so we're all more tuned in than ever before on how much our home does or does not support who we are and our drivers for fulfillment. What started with simply working from home has now shown a spotlight on what I have been saying for years. Your home is a really big deal. What is happening in your home is so important, including how it functions, how you feel in the space, and whether it brings you and your family frustration and stress or pleasure and support. Your home should reflect and enhance your personalities and passions acting as a haven to recuperate and launch you into whatever your heart can dream up next. It protects you from the weather and it's a frame for your life. Your home really matters. Have you ever noticed that you feel differently in certain special places out in the world? You linger, you notice the scents in the air, and you slow down and take it all in. These spaces feel this way by design. You can create a space that supports the personalities that live under your roof. The experience within your home absolutely counts. So are you prioritizing your experience in and around your home? Are there spaces for each person to become the best versions of themselves to pursue passions and set them at ease? Wealth is not happiness. We feel the happiest when we tune into our individual needs and be proactive about making sure they're met. As Mike Weeking says in his Little Book of Luca, people on a quest for something they find meaningful, whether that is building a boat or growing the perfect tomato, tend to be happier. They know the happiness is the byproduct of the process, and not a pot of gold at the finish line. I share this with you because if you enjoy that gardening time and you include a small garden, even a vertical one on the patio of your condo or a small raised bed amidst your acreage just to try it, at least you're honoring the process that is fulfilling to your soul. You're pulling on that thread of curiosity. It's a small adventure. What do you wonder? What are you curious about? Fill in the blank. I wonder if… Like most people in materially developed societies, you probably spend 90% of your time in a built environment. If you're out in the world, Did you notice your surroundings as you entered the space? Do you think the space affects how you feel? Does it affect your brain? Interest in the intersection of neuroscience and architecture is growing, according to an article which I'll list in the podcast notes by Psychology Today. Architects are making forays into discussing neuroscientific applications to their craft. It goes on to say, As an example of experimental neural architecture, we recently reported our findings on the psychological and neural responses to architectural interiors. We started with 200 photographs of architectural interiors. These interiors varied on three basic features, high or low ceiling heights, curvilinear or rectilinear forms, and closed or open enclosures. These same images have been used in an earlier study in which we showed that people's experience of beauty in these interiors was correlated with neural activity within the medial prefrontal cortexes. At the time, this finding was important in showing that the aesthetic experience of architectural interiors draws on the same reward systems that are associated with the pleasure we experience in gazing at beautiful faces as well as in satisfying primary appetites such as food. The main point is that our visual brains harbor responses to these subjective psychological dimensions of which we might not even be aware. Did you catch that last part? Of which we might not even be aware. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so that they'll automatically download when new episodes are released. You can also follow me on Instagram under the handle Space and Reason. Here's an excerpt from an article in Apartment Therapy by Kelsey Schrader. If it ever seems like it's an extroverted world and you're just living in it, interior designer Rachel Cannon feels you hard. She has made herself the go-to source for introverted creatives, and she's using her 20 years of experience to empower introverts everywhere to make their homes fit their needs. Cannon is an introvert, according to the Myers-Briggs test anyway. After a long day, I want total silence, she said. It helps restore me. When introverts have a little quiet time for themselves, it helps them show up on a higher level. What can be hard about that is making sure your home is designed to properly provide that restorative quiet time when you need it, especially if you don't live alone. Even extroverts, aka people who feel energized by human interaction, can benefit from a low stimulus environment. This is why Cannon argues that every home should have a quiet room, a space dedicated to being alone resting, and recharging in complete silence. It's a place where you can relax and be comfortable and achieve deep focus with minimal distractions," she adds. Canon shares her tips for carving out this kind of sanctuary in your very own home. Nix the open floor plan. These days, open floor plans are a design norm, but this kind of layout is certainly not the best solution for introverts. For Canon, coming home after a long day to a space where noise is coming at her from all angles, the living room television, the kitchen, things can feel overwhelming fast. So when carving out a quiet space, it's best to stick to a spot with more than two walls to minimize external noise. If you're working with a studio apartment, create a little nook with a functional room divider such as a shelf soundproof when possible and invest in solid doors rather than hollow core ones she advises they prevent sound from echoing around a room which means your family or roommates can watch tv or talk on the phone without you having to hear every last word It's always a good idea to surround yourself with things you love. It's important to feel like you have an emotional connection to the things in your home so you feel like you fit there, every bit of you, just as you are. Because you are enough. Let's talk about spaces that would speak to an introvert. Since they recharge by spending time alone, an extra comfy chair and an ottoman placed in the master bedroom would be ideal for the person who takes solace in reflecting more. Since an introvert especially enjoys one-on-one conversations, think about your living room and any seating areas in your home. Do they lend themselves to an intimacy level comfortable for two people? For example, if a space is too large and you feel like you're sitting in a massive room, it can sometimes feel empty and too open with just two people there. So creating small seating areas for just two or three within these spaces can help the comfort level and the connection. The introvert is more sociable with people they know well. And so when having a gathering Is there a spot this introvert can sit to observe and interact as they are comfortable without being in the center of things, maybe slightly to the side or away from the overwhelming stimulation produced by the gathering? Having their back against the wall in the exterior facing the group is going to be the most secure and comfortable position for that chair. On the opposite end of the spectrum, an extrovert recharges by socializing, so having an open floor plan with many seating options can help a space be ready for spontaneous entertaining. Long dining room tables to host Thanksgiving will fit in wonderfully for the extrovert who can give the toast and talk to the wee hours of the morning. Guest bedrooms allow people to stay a while, and a space for games will allow this gregarious and expressive human to be in the center of things, which is fulfillment at its best. A good home office or space set aside for the laptop or desktop computer to live would benefit both personality types since introverts are more likely to be logical, intellectual, precise, and analytical, space for research and access to information easily will give this warm, pragmatic human solace. Alternately, the curious extrovert will also enjoy easy access to workspace within the home because of their often strategic, enthusiastic personalities. They'll want to plan and RSVP and research and be social online. At least a third of the people we know are introverts. They are the ones who prefer listening to speaking, who innovate and create but dislike self-promotion, who favor working on their own over working in teams. It is to introverts Rosa Parks, Chopin, Dr. Seuss, Steve Wozniak, that we owe many of the great contributions to society. If this piques your interest, this is the introduction to the book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Kane. I'll put a link in my podcast notes. Introverts might more appreciate low contrast color combinations and subtle patterns. Because introverts crave personal space to reflect and refuel, giving them specific space for this is important. So on that note, let's talk about area rugs because they can dampen noise and this can be so valuable in creating a place of refuge. Also, that space shouldn't be limited to just inside the house like my brother mentioned. Maybe they need to get away and it can be just outside the door, in the shop or the garage. It might be a library to mull over a particularly vexing problem. Whatever the case, let it not be a high-trafficked area where you cannot duck away from the chaos of daily life. Give your introvert muted tones that wrap all the way around them. Even the trim can be the same color. It's a way, painting out the wall and the trim, to soften the whole room. It helps to envelop you and give you a giant comforting hug. Introverts appreciate the details and will ponder them, along with conversations a good bit, so paying attention to the details for your introvert could be a feather in your cap. If they particularly enjoy reading, they may give pause to the wonderful antique rivets on the edge of the new leather chair for the reading nook. Think about art that is light and airy or especially realistic and detailed. Extroverts are more apt to embrace more saturated colors, high contrast color combinations, or more bold patterns. Think art with large, bold paint strokes and heavy-handed textures. Emily Henderson explains it wonderfully on page 60 of her book titled Styled. Contrast is the combination of opposite elements in a room, such as styles, shapes, colors, patterns, and textures. The amount of contrast you have directly correlates with the amount of energy you have in the room. Simply put, a room with a lot of contrast will feel more energetic and busy, and a room with less contrast will feel more calm and quiet. She later goes on to say, choose the amount of contrast for your room based on your personality as well as on function. High contrast is great when you want to take more style risks. Think about doing so in more temporary spaces. You're less likely to get sick of the design in rooms such as powder rooms, guest rooms, kids rooms, mud rooms, hallways, dining rooms, and entryways. Low contrast is good for quiet and restful moods in rooms where you'll spend more time and want less visual noise like your bedroom or potentially your living room. End quote. This would be ideal for more quiet and introverted types. Here's a few interesting tidbits that I learned from Life Noggin, Season 1, Episode 6, About Introverts and Extroverts. Caffeine has been found to have positive effects on extroverts' working memory, but not on introverts. Extroverts are able to perform better when presented with distractions like music and background noise. Basically, they do better when there is a lot going on. It's been found that introverts are far better fit for leadership positions in industries and offices that rely heavily on collaboration because they're more receptive to input from others. It's been found that about two-thirds of the population are ambivert, which is a little bit of both. As a realtor who stages listings as part of my normal offerings for my clients, I understand that setting the spaces up to function optimally and ideally in a dual purpose manner is most attractive. So my listings get good offers and they typically come faster than what is average for days on market of other homes in a similar price point and in the same geography. Why? Because we're all humans with varied interests. So, when you see a home that can help you lead a more fulfilling life because it helps you explore your love for, I don't know, rock climbing, maybe the home is backing up to the Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, you would jump on that. You offer quickly and bring your best and highest. There are less literal ways to fulfill people's passions, just simply finishing that small basement and creating a flex space is beneficial. I would stage it with your workout equipment and show that you don't even need a gym membership to stay active here. But since it's labeled as flex space, I would remind potential buyers that it is in fact flex space, meaning if working out is not your jam and you would rather can your raw honey from your beekeeping hobby, this is a space that can be whatever your heart can dream up next. As I've explained for so many episodes, spaces work harder for you when they become more multifunctional. Whether we're talking about one or more people working from home or supporting multi-generational activities or for backyard gathering, there should be no wasted space. And now, I'm going to give you an activity to ask yourself about your home space and your reasons. This is an activity in reflection of personality styles and traits. So instead of a series of questions this time, I want you to write your name at the top of the paper and draw a vertical line and then write your partner's name in the next column. That way you each have a column and space to write underneath it. I'm going to read a list of personality traits and descriptors and I want you to write that down under your name if it describes you. Then I'll read them again so you can do the same thing for your partner. First, let's start with you. Do not write the word down unless it is absolutely unequivocally you. Confident quiet, bold, energizing, casual, unassuming, humble, neat, warm, refined, thoughtful, well-traveled, elegant, quiet calm or the desire to be calm boisterous appreciates a big impact statement piece romantic fearless nostalgic straightforward Utilitarian Funny Animated Kind Outdoorsy or appreciates natural elements Deep thinker Friendly Foodie or enjoys cooking Old soul or might find unexplained solace in vintage touches. Now I'm going to read this list again and you can write an accurate descriptor in your partner's column. Can be as many as you want. Confident. Quiet. Bold. Energizing. Casual. Unassuming, humble, neat, warm, refined, thoughtful, well traveled, elegant, quiet, calm, or the desire to be calm boisterous, appreciates a big impact statement piece, romantic, fearless, nostalgic, straightforward, utilitarian, funny, animated, kind, outdoorsy or appreciates Natural Elements, Deep Thinker, Friendly, Foodie or Enjoys Cooking, Lastly, Old Soul or might find unexplained solace in Vintage Design. Next, I want you to review your list and see if there are any crossovers where your descriptors are the same as your partners. And if you find that there are three or four words that cross over, you can search for design styles and areas to tweak your house that address or suit that. If you have no crossover, there are still ways to accomplish aligning your home to several points on both columns. For example, if one person appreciates a big statement piece while the other appreciates natural elements, mounting a staghorn fern with its antler-like fronds makes a statement with living art while also appealing to the person who appreciates natural elements. So if one person is funny, and the other person is nostalgic, finding and framing a zany old photo, maybe even of your parents horsing around, might be the ideal way to give a nod to both columns. Multiply this out, and you'll see what I mean here. Let's talk about one particular look that could speak to a few things that are very different. The bohemian look is a combination of casual, friendly, and well-traveled, for example. This is ideal for those who want their homes full of life, culture, and interesting items. It embraces the carefree and the relaxed person who also appreciates unique things in the world. It combines objects and colors and patterns from all over the place. You'll notice a lot of crossover in this description, which is why I included this particular style here in this podcast. Ask yourself, what are your core projects or passion projects? What lights your spouse up? What is their passion project? The thing you and or your partner are most passionate about. What can't you wait to do? And is your home aligned with those passions? Here's one more exercise. I want you to imagine inviting four people over to your home. Where do they sit? And where do you position yourself? Where does your partner sit in this scenario? Are you comfortable Now change up the four people, make it a totally different four people, four different personalities. Where do you sit and where does your partner sit? Is it different because of those personalities? Now imagine that your spouse or partner has four people over from work whom you've never met. Where do they sit? Where do you position yourself? Are you comfortable or uncomfortable? I love this exercise because it helps you to say, if I were to move this chair slightly, that is absolutely where I would sit in a scenario where I have four people whom I don't know in my house, and I would be far more comfortable just by moving that chair. If we work towards understanding our own motivations and create spaces within our homes to support them, our homes will speak to us and support our most basic core. Simply being aware that there is a distinction can be enough to change how you approach these spaces in your home. If you have an extrovert teenager but an introvert seven-year-old, those bedrooms will be completely different. Your teen should have ample room for friends to come over and games and activities for groups, whereas the introvert might more appreciate a few spaces just for them, plus their bestie at a time. Thinking more minimally and introspective, comfy spaces that embrace them and where they might be able to get lost in a book or an art project could be so valuable. I hope this helps you to understand where you fall and if you need to change your seating to feel comfortable and support you or your partners or your kids' natural tendencies better. Today I am grateful for the thunderstorm rattling across the area where we live. Having spent my childhood in Michigan where thunderstorms are a regular thing. I appreciate them more than ever since I reside in the Pacific Northwest and they're few and far between here. What are you grateful for today? I don't know at what point you started listening to the Home Space & Reason podcast, but I created it to be listened to from beginning to end, never repeating topics like bathrooms or scale, proportion, and art specifically because I hoped you can indulge in them all. Sometimes life happens quickly and you don't have time to listen, but other times we find ourselves stuck indoors in a snowstorm or walking on an especially sunny day and wanting to listen to something all positive. You can start from the beginning and take it in little bits at a time. I appreciate you spending your valuable time with me. If you're so inclined, I'd love the effort of a share in a forum or in an email to a friend, maybe on a post on LinkedIn or any other social spot you may play in. Recommendations go a long way in helping others find podcasts worth listening to. I think there's enough negativity in the world right now, so it feels good to share something positive and relaxing. Thank you, my friend. Oh, also... If you haven't heard it lately, you matter. Your efforts and each tiny choice you make that benefit others, sometimes the closest around you, don't notice. But I see you. I see you because we are so similar and sometimes I wish I could just hold your hand and sit quietly and enjoy a nice view or maybe a cup of something delicious together. There are so many of us in the same boat, with our mental load meter maxed out, and I wanted you to know that you are not alone. You matter. You count. You are so valuable, and sometimes just getting through a day is enough. There's no such thing as perfect, and sometimes your best for that day is just getting through it. And that's okay. I don't know how many homes you have been in, whether to live in or visit, but as a realtor, I've been in so very many and I swear to you that I would become a different person in each house based on what the house's assets were and how it speaks to me when I'm there. How is your home suppressing or encouraging different activities, what things might be hobbies that turn into a new path for your life? If you're put into an environment that encouraged something different, that sparked a spark inside your soul, whom would you become? If you haven't listened yet, tune in to episode 10 about who your home is encouraging you to become. It's one of my most favorite, especially if you like to mentally chew on things for a while. If you're stuck about what to do with a particular area in your home and you'd like my help in solving it, head over to my website, spaceandreason.com, and click on the link, Imagine, There's a virtual option there where we can hash it out and come up with a recipe catered just to you, your family, and your home. If you know someone in the market to buy or sell in the greater metro Portland, Oregon area, kindly send them my way. The finest compliment I could ever receive is the confidence of your referral. If you enjoy this show, Please write a review because it lets others know that this is a podcast worth listening to. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives. I'll meet you back here for the next episode.